Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. Well, if you love Jesus this morning, can you give him a big shout of praise in this place? What's up, Christ Walk? How we doing? Hey, if this is your first time here at Christ Walk, we wanna tell you welcome. We're so glad that you're here and it's not by chance that you're here this morning um, with us. Um, I just wanna say that this is a church where you can be- or belong before you believe. And welcome to everybody who's watching online this morning. So glad that you could tune in today. So for those of you that came to church expecting Pastor Blake to get up here and preach, sorry for the letdown, but can we show our pastor some honor this morning? And you guys, you could be anywhere else on this beautiful Sunday morning, but you chose to be here. So I'm so glad that you're here as well. Hey, I'm excited because we're starting a new series this morning that we're calling The Pursuit. And The Pursuit, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at a couple parables that Jesus teaches um, that are a response, really, that articulate the story of the gospel. And here's the reality. The reality is that the gospel story is not about how we could buy our way into heaven. The gospel story is not about how in our own good standing or by our own good measure that we could get to God. The gospel story is about how God in his steadfast love came and pursued after us. And so we're gonna be talking about the pursuit. So very quickly, I want to um, read our uh, story for the day. It's out of Luke chapter 15. It's the first parable. So if you didn't know this, or maybe you did, the Bible is divided up into two big sections. The first section is called the Old Testament, and the second section is called the New Testament. And today, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 15. The book of Luke is the third book into the New Testament. So Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Go ahead and get your Bibles out or swipe with your smart device. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness to go search for the one that was lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God than, uh, than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Let's pray very quickly. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Move in this place mightily, just as you do every single Sunday, every single moment of our lives. I pray for uh, spiritual eyes to see, deaf ears to hear, hearts to be awakened to the gospel story of your love for us. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. Anybody ever had a uh, spirit week growing up in school? A spirit week. For those of you in Christ Walk Youth, maybe you have a spirit week already. So um, I remember one of, um, one of the spirit weeks that I had growing up while I was in high school. Spirit week was my favorite week of the year. 
Because during Spirit Week, if you never experienced it, it's a chance for you to uh, celebrate your team spirit. And so for uh, Chelsea and I, it was the Falcons. We were the Faith Christian Academy Falcons, not to be confused with the Faith Christian Academy here in in, uh, Yulee. But um, we were the Falcons, and so for a whole week, we celebrated this theme, and for different days, we were assigned different themes. We'd come into school dressed up in certain um, outfits, but my favorite day during Spirit Week was Costume Day. Now, I went to a private school, so Costume Day looked a little different. The teachers were posted out in the hallways, and they were making sure that they were, or they were enforcing the uh, three inches above the knee rule and the three fingertip lengths for the tops, you know. Make sure it was modest. But costume day was my favorite day, and so we dress up in our favorite characters. And so for a lot, of the, a lot of the years that I was in school, it was like a CIA agent or a secret service man, or some days we would, or some years we would dress up as like the president and go with the full tux or whatever. And of course, if you can picture it, I didn't have a tux, so I'd borrow my dad's tux, and it looked like I was, had like a foot left over with the clothes that I was wearing. But interestingly enough, my senior year, I don't remember the costume I was wearing, but I do remember something that happened during costume day. Now, my senior class was really small. We had a graduating class of 20 students, and so everybody was friends or foes with everybody. Everybody knew everybody really well. And so as I arrived at, um, on the scene, I remember looking over in the corner. I was dressed up in my outfit, excited for the day, and all of the other guys in my class were wearing something together, but completely different than me. And as a senior in high school, I was devastated by it. Not because necessarily of what had just happened, but because over the course of my high school career, they had excluded me from all of their fun activities and all of the things that they got to do together while I felt left out. And so at this moment, it was just the cherry on top. Have you ever felt left out before? You ever felt excluded? Like people acted like you didn't exist or maybe you felt like the social outcast or the misfit? Maybe it was growing up and you you got into your class and all of the popular kids were handing out the birthday party invitations and they passed by you. Maybe it was when you were at recess and you were assigning team captains and you had everybody lined up and you started going down the line picking and you were one of the last few to be picked. Maybe now it's at work and you have coworkers who are in their own clique and they're good friends with each other. And so they invite one another to the dinner parties and the fun events afterwards, but you're feeling left out because you didn't get the invitation. Or maybe you feel like the black sheep in your family and the entirety of your family goes and does their own thing while you're kind of left to your own devices. Have you ever felt left out? Maybe you're on the flip side of this narrative. Maybe you were the one growing up doing the picking. You were always the popular one, but either way, you identify with someone in this story. And arguably, these were the types of tensions and emotions that uh, were present here in Luke chapter 15. Because Jesus was hanging out with misfits and social outcasts. He was hanging out with people that the Bible describes as sinners and as tax collectors. Now, up to this point, Jesus, he may have had a a following of people who had heard him 
preach about these kingdom core values and he was doing uh, miracles, signs and wonders and people were marveling at the things that Jesus was doing and so people would follow him. And yet Jesus, instead of turning his attention to the followership that he had, he turned his attention to the marginalized. I wanna let you know this morning right off the bat that Jesus is a friend of sinners. It would be akin today to somebody having a huge followership on a social media platform. And when they get the chance to meet them in person, that individual goes off to the people in the corner who may or may not even know what their platform stands for, but yet they have a huge followership over here on the other side who's waiting to meet them. Have you ever felt left out? And so the Pharisees at this point in Luke chapter 15, they weren't too keen with Jesus hanging out with these sinners and these tax collectors because, because he was communicating something by doing so, by associating himself. You see, the Pharisees, they were teaching against these people. They were teaching against the rebels because they were pious. They were outrightly showing their dedication to God at this point, and yet Jesus, the friend of sinners, or decided that he was gonna spend his time hanging out with the marginalized of society. What was he teaching to the masses that were following him? And so the Pharisees, they decided to call Jesus out on this and Jesus, he responds with three parables that articulate the story of the gospel. And so today, for the remainder of our time, we're going to be looking at the first of these three parables that Jesus responds to the Pharisees with, the parable of the lost sheep. Now, if you're taking notes, I wanna give you three key themes about the parable of the lost sheep before we dive into today's message. The first key theme that we can take away from the parable of the lost sheep is that there's a lost sheep who needs to be found. And this lost sheep who needs to be found, he or she, they're, they're off in the wilderness, they're left to their own devices without provision, protection, guidance, and direction exposed to the harsh elements of this world and the predatory circumstances that surround them, they're on their own. The first key theme is that there's a lost sheep who needs to be found. The second key theme that we can learn from this parable of the lost sheep is that there's a good shepherd who leaves his 99, his fold, to find this one lost sheep. So he traverses the harsh wilderness, the harsh conditions just to find this one sheep because he finds so much value in this one sheep. And of course, we learn that this good shepherd is Jesus. Jesus, even later on, identifies himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. There's a lost sheep who needs to be found. There's a good shepherd who leaves the 99 to find his one lost sheep. And then lastly, there's actually a mandate here. Jesus at surface level is talking about the story of how he, the good shepherd, finds this one lost sheep. But if you dig a little deeper, he's actually talking about a mandate that he later goes on to lay out. In Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. And it says this, "'Therefore go and make disciples of all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I wanna focus the remainder of our time that we have together on this mandate that we see in Matthew 28. This mandate, this underlying mandate that Jesus talks about in the parable of the lost sheep. 
we're gonna call it a mission, the mission of pursuit. So today I wanna look at three ways that you and I can prioritize the mission of, the, of pursuit because the reality is the story of the gospel, it doesn't end when Jesus, the good shepherd, pursues after and finds you. In fact, the, the story of the gospel actually continues when you, as somebody who Jesus has found, picks up this same mission and goes out to find those who are lost and points them to a relationship with the good shepherd found in Jesus. If I were to summarize it like this, and to the bottom line of this entire message, it would be this, that found people find people. Found people find people. As found people, we're on a mission to find people who are far from God and point them to a life-giving relationship with the good shepherd, Jesus. So number one, if you're taking notes, here's how we can prioritize the mission of pursuit. The first way that we can prioritize the mission of pursuit is passion. If we're going to prioritize this mission, then we have to develop a passion that sees people who are far from God and has the ability to point them to a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And the Bible describes Jesus with such passion, so that's what we wanna look at. We wanna look at Matthew 9, 35 through 38, which ascribes Jesus with such passion. It says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching them in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were, get this, confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If we look at the text a little more closely, that, that Greek word for compassion, it actually means inward affection or tender mercy. And it speaks to the feeling from the spleen or from the gut. So it's an intense emotion or desire deep down in yourself for something or someone around you. And so not only was Jesus in this moment ignited with a passion to see these people who were helpless and confused find their shepherd, it was a combination of both passion and compassion because then he acted on it. You see, passion is that deep longing or intense desire to do something. Compassion is when you act. It's literally stepping into the shoes of somebody else. You see, Jesus, the good shepherd, with this very same passion, fiery ignition on the inside of him, it motivated him to eventually go to the cross and die for the sins of humanity so that when God finds us, we could have a relationship with him and we could be brought into the fold, into the family of God. That's why the week leading up to Easter Sunday is called Passion Week. Jesus had a passion to pursue after you and me so that we could be brought into the family of God. And I don't want you to be discouraged this morning that you didn't feel this instant passion when you entered a, a relationship with Jesus. Because it turns out this is not a passion that you get instantaneously, it's a passion that's developed over time. It's developed through spiritual eyes. In, in this verse, it says that Jesus saw the crowd, spiritual eyes that sees the worldwide harvest around you. The full scope of lost humanity that's far from God, that's where your passion starts. I see the need, the confused and the helplessness, but I know there's a good shepherd. 
And I wanna give you something practical this morning. If you wanna develop this passion, here's one way that I believe if you'll start doing it every single day, you can start to develop this passion. It starts with a very simple prayer. Dear Jesus, break my heart for what breaks yours. Help me to see what you see. Help me to feel what you feel. Help me to do what you do. Passion developed through spiritual eyes to see the full scope of humanity that's far from God that needs to be brought into the family of God. It's developed through prayer. Number two, the second way that we can prioritize this mission of pursuit is proximity. So there's passion that sees the full scope, but when we think about proximity, proximity is what's directly around us. It's who or what is in our reach. When it comes to prioritizing this mission of pursuit, we have to become aware of the people who are directly around us every single day. And if I could define proximity for you this morning, proximity is this, if you're taking notes. Proximity is your unique position to impact. Proximity is your unique position to impact. We're learning to have spiritual eyes and a passion that sees the worldwide harvest. And sometimes it can seem overwhelming, overwhelming because we only have so much time and so much impact. But the reality is that God has positioned you with people around you for such a time and such a moment as this to impact those people. Passion's developed by seeing them all, but proximity, you see who's around you. Jesus, he was talking about this um, in John. John 4.35, he says this. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, and here's the kicker, but I say, wake up and look around. Wake up and look around. Who's around you that you're uniquely positioned to impact for Jesus? Who's close to you, but far from God? Who, who has God placed you around? Are they in your neighborhood? Are they bumping elbows and shoulders with you in the hallways of your school? Are they in your hallway at work, in the cubicle next to you? Is it a local waiter or waitress that you go to get dinner with your family? Is it somebody in your city? Maybe it's somebody who cuts your hair. Who's close to you, but far from God? God has positioned you in every moment, in every season with opportunities to share your faith in Jesus. Seize the moment, seize the opportunity. You see, Jesus, he did this. We see it right there. He's teaching his disciples to do it too. In Luke chapter 15, he's hanging around these sinners and these tax collectors, these misfits, and he's connecting with the fringes of society. He's leveraging his influence to impact people for the sake of the kingdom of God. You see, the fact of the matter is that Jesus was surrounding himself with people who were far from God. His character was rubbing off on them. Their character wasn't rubbing off on him. 
All because Jesus had spiritual eyes that not only saw the full scope of the harvest, but he saw the harvest right around him that was ripe for the picking. Who's close to you, but far from God? I wanna let you know this morning that God thought so much of you that he's entrusted you with the greatest message of hope this world has ever known. Can you believe that he thought that much of us, that he's mandated us to point people to the good shepherd found in Jesus so that people who are far from God can be brought back into the family of God? That's why we ask you to invite people to church, to, to, to lead or get plugged into a small group, to, to serve in and outside the four walls of the church. Because when you get outside of a building, when you get into a community with others outside of just a Sunday morning worship experience, when you start telling people about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done in your life personally, then you will impact people for Jesus that only you can reach. I wanna let you know this morning that you are an influencer, that you do have impact, that there are people who are waiting for permission to come to church and experience a life-giving relationship with Jesus and the permission they receive is an invitation from you. Because there are people out there who need the gospel, the message that you have to give them. You are called. You are positioned for such a time as this. Who's in your proximity? Spiritualize to see all those out there who are far from God. Spiritualize to see the ripe harvest that's close to me. Who's close to you, but far from God. We've gotta have a passion for all of those who are far from God. We've gotta have a, a proximity, we've gotta be aware of the proximity of people who are around us who are close directly to us. And the last thing, the last way that we can prioritize the mission of pursuit is purpose. We can develop a passion to see lost people found by developing spiritual eyes that see, by identifying our proximity and then by walking in our purpose. Your purpose is tied to both your passion and your proximity. If I were to put all three points together, it would look a little like this. Passion sees the whole total full scope of the harvest of humanity. Those who are lost that need to be brought into the family of God. With proximity, it's a little more specific. Who's around me that I can personally impact? And purpose, with even more specificity, is finding just one. The reality is that you won't be able to impact everybody at once. But everybody has a somebody. It's a ripple effect. You keep identifying your one, that one person that you can impact that you can pray for, that you can influence, that you can invite and that you can converse with. And it may not seem like much, but there's a multiplication factor involved. Imagine this, imagine if every person who is a part of Christ Walk Church chose to identify one person who they know personally who's far from God that they could reach themselves. 
How many people could we change with the love of God if we chose to focus on one person to impact for Jesus? The type of ripple effect that Jesus is talking about, he talks about in Acts 1 chapter 8. He says this in Acts 1 chapter 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, the city, throughout Judea and Samaria, the region, and then to the ends of the earth. And it starts to spread and catch growth and catch fire and revival starts to break out. In Jerusalem, the smallest impact, the city, those who are directly around me, who are close to me, but they're far from God. Because if you impact the city, then it'll spread to the region. And then if you impact the region, it'll spread to other regions. And soon enough, you'll be to the ends of the earth where Jesus, the message of hope that you have is spread to people who are far from you that maybe you don't even know, all because of your faithfulness to identify one person in your own life that you can pray for, seek out, believe with, for the miracle of a life-giving relationship with Jesus. It starts with just one. I wanna let you know this morning that you have greater impact than you actually realize. That what's on the inside of you is much greater than you actually know. that the message of the gospel can be spread everywhere because you choose to impact just one person around you. There's a story about a little boy who lived in a beach town. And as the story goes, there was a big storm that blew into the beach town and as the big storm blew into the beach town, as a result afterwards, there were thousands of starfish along the, the seashore. And so little boy, he, he goes out to the seashore and he, he looks all along the sand and he sees all of these thousands of starfish. He's, and with a passion, he sees the full scope of all of these starfish that need saved. And so the little boy, he has a passion to see these starfish saved. And so every couple steps, he picks up a starfish who's in close proximity to him. He throws it back into the ocean. A couple more steps, picks up a starfish, throws it back into the ocean. Eventually, there's a man from afar who's looking at what this little boy is doing. And so he approaches the little boy and he says, young man, what are you, what are you doing? And if you can imagine the little boy, he looks up to this man and he says, I'm just saving starfish, sir. And the man confused further, he asks this little boy, what difference is that gonna make? And the little boy takes a couple steps and he picks up a starfish and he throws it in the ocean and he turns to the man and he responds. It made a difference to that one, didn't it? Come on. You have impact. You gotta do for one what you, could, you wish that you could do for everyone. There's somebody out there right now who you are beginning to identify in your mind 
that you can reach for Jesus. There's someone who's close to you, but they're far from God. There's somebody out there who's in your reach that needs the message of hope that you have to give them today. Because found people, find people. So who's your one? I've got a one. Who's your one? Who can you identify who's within your reach that you can focus all of that God-given passion to start praying for, believing for, and impacting that one person for Jesus so that one day you can see them in eternity with you? Even Jesus had a one. He traveled out of his way to minister to his one, this woman at the well in Samaria. On his way, he called Zacchaeus down from the fig tree, the sycamore fig tree. He had a one when he called Lazarus up out of the grave. And he had the one when he went and called Jairus' daughter back up from death itself. And I wanna let somebody in here this morning know that you are Jesus' one. All across this place this morning, would you bow your head and close your eyes out of honor for those around you? This morning, maybe this message has been speaking to you and God is tugging at your heart. You know that you're the one that Jesus is pursuing after. And as I'm saying this, you start to feel God pursuing after you. I wanna let you know that he is the good shepherd and that he is chasing after you. He's the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. Because someone in here this morning, you feel like you've been exposed to the toughest situations in your life. Maybe you're watching online right now. You seem like you don't have your purpose figured out or you don't know what your identity is. And I wanna let you know this morning that there's a good shepherd in this moment who's pursuing after you. And Jesus is calling you out by name and in him you can find rest and in him you can find your purpose and in him you can find your identity. And if you'd say that you want your life to be found in Jesus, I wanna let you know that you can have a new life in Jesus Christ. If you'd say that you wanna become part of the family of God, if that's you this morning, with head bowed, eyes shut, nobody's looking around you, if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand out of a sign of surrender? This morning, if that's you, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to pray this simple prayer after me. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life, amen. 
Can we give a big hand clap to celebrate all of those who chose Jesus this morning? I wanna let you know if that's a decision that you made this morning, it's the best decision you'll ever make. And if you made that decision, then your next step is to tell somebody. So there's a connect card on your seat and there should be a check mark box that says that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. You can check off that box and take it out to the orange tent back there and have somebody pray with you. You don't wanna walk on this Christ journey, this Christ walk alone. You wanna do it together with somebody and we wanna come alongside you and walk on this journey with you. We'd love to celebrate with you. I wanna pray one more time to seal this word in our hearts. And then Pastor Blake's gonna come to the stage. Dear Lord, I thank you for uh, all that you do for us, for, for this word, that, that you would seal it in our hearts. God, help us to identify those who are in our proximity, that one person that we can impact because you've uniquely positioned us to impact them. Give us a passion, spiritual eyes to see the full scope of the harvest of lost people so that we can do what you've called us to do and go seek them out to turn them towards the relationship that they can have with the good shepherd. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for us, for laying down your life. And now we give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.